Kaylin, thank you for that children's message. Uh, We are in the midst of a sermon series about surprises, the surprising work of God in the early church. And I've been inviting you to look for surprising ways that you can touch another person's life with goodness, with love, uh, with the good news of Jesus Christ. And such a small thing like a rock can really change someone's day and their outlook. Praise be to God. Our passage of Scripture today is from Acts chapter 16, verses 9 through 15. And the title of the sermon today is An Amazing Detour. An Amazing Detour. Michael Billister visited a small town in Poland in the late 1930s, just before the Second World War. And while he was there, he decided to give his Bible to a man that he had just met. And that man took that Bible and began to read it, and read it, and read it. It wasn't long before the man had devoured the entire Bible, and he ended up coming to faith in Christ. And becoming a Christian for the first time in his life. Because one man shared one Bible. What's surprising about this story is that this one man having read the one Bible. And having come to faith in the one Lord. Then decided to share that one Bible with someone else. And that someone else read that one Bible from that one man, from the one Lord, and he too came to faith in Christ. And he became a Christian. By the time Michael Billister visited this small town in Poland for the second time in 1940, some 200 people had come to faith in Christ Because one man shared one Bible with another man who read it and who shared it with someone else. And in fact, the reason that Michael Billister had been invited back to the small town in Poland in 1940 is because this church of new converts had reached over 200 people. And they wanted Michael Billister, the man whose gift of one Bible had started it all, to come back and to proclaim the Word of God to them in person. Michael Billister is trying to figure out what in the world he's going to say to this new group of Christians in this small town in Poland. And he decides that maybe the way to begin would be just to ask them if they wouldn't mind to share some verses that had really become meaningful to them in the early days of their faith. And this one guy raised his hand and he stood up and he said, Do you want verses? Or entire chapters. You see it turns out that these new converts to Christianity. Because one man gave one Bible to one other man. And it spread like wildfire. They had not only taken in single verses into their hearts. But they'd actually memorized and could recite entire chapters. And entire books of the Bible. 
Uh, according to the story I read, there were 13 people present in worship that day that could recite by memory the Gospels of Matthew and the Gospels of Luke, and they had half of the book of Genesis memorized. Are there 13 people here today that could do that? There was somebody else there that could recite from memory all 150 psalms found in the book of psalms in the Old Testament. One man sharing one Bible with one person had so lodged the Word of God into these people's hearts that their lives would be Forever changed. We've been in the study of the book of Acts. It's the story of the early church. And there are lots of experiences that we read about there. And some of us have been a part of the church for so long. That we've heard these stories so many times. That they've really lost the sense of surprise and shock. That they must have had to the early church. And, and today is one of those surprising stories. And, and, and the story that we read about today, the story of Lydia, is surprising first and foremost is because it almost didn't happen. In fact, it wouldn't have happened if Paul would have gotten his way. You see, Paul had been the apostle of the early church and he's begun to go. He's been converted himself. He's, been, he's begun to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ with anybody that will listen. And so he's trying to decide where is the next place he's going to go to share this good news. And so Paul decides in his own mind that I think I'm going to go west to the province of Asia and that's where I'm going to proclaim the good news. But according to Luke in the book of Acts, Paul was persuaded by the Holy Spirit not to go west to the province of Asia. In fact, the way that Luke describes it is that Paul was prevented by the Holy Spirit from going west. And so Paul's like, okay, well, I won't go west. I'll just go north. I don't care. I'll go north. And once again, according to Luke in the book of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit persuaded, i.e. prevented Paul from going north. Paul's like, well, that's okay. I've already been in the east talking about the good news of God's love. The Holy Spirit clearly doesn't want me to go west. The Holy Spirit clearly doesn't want me to go north. I'll just go south. I'll go south. That's what I will do. And then once again, the Holy Spirit came to Paul and persuaded, i.e. prevented Paul from going south. And the way that the Holy Spirit did it in our story today is that the Holy Spirit sent Paul a vision. And in this vision, there was a man from Macedonia. Now, I don't know how Paul knew that this man was from Macedonia. Maybe the Holy Spirit told him that this man was from Macedonia. Um, maybe Macedonians have a distinct look. And so Paul saw the guy and said, oh, that's clearly a Macedonian. Or, or, or maybe the, it was the accent of the Macedonian. When he started talking, the guy, Paul, immediately re uh, recognized the guy's accent as being a Macedonian. Just like when people hear me talk, they immediately recognize that I'm from New York. Um, okay, maybe that wasn't the best example. But, but maybe, maybe the reason why Paul realized that this man was a Macedonian is because of what the man said. Uh, the man in the vision said to Paul, 
you need to come to us in Macedonia. The only problem for Paul was is that Macedonia was not south. So he'd already been persuaded not to go north. He'd already been in the east. He'd already been persuaded not to go west. Now he can't go south. Apparently this is northwest. And so he's kind of having to split the difference of his two original ideas. And, and Macedonia is not known for being a place that was really receptive to organized religion or to the Jewish tradition. It was, it was a big ask for Paul to go there. And yet when Paul had this vision by the man in Macedonia, he, he immediately began to make preparations and plans to sail there. Now, I'm guessing that when Paul sailed to Macedonia, he ultimately ends up in Philippi, that one of the people that Paul thought he would see there was the man in his vision. You see, one of the things that Paul had already figured out is that whenever you go into a new town, one of the first things that you need to do as an apostle of Jesus Christ is you need to look for a group of people that are sympathizers with the message that you are trying to communicate. You at least need to find people who are steeped in the Jewish tradition because they are going to be more receptive to what God might be doing through the person of Jesus than perhaps anybody else. And so when Paul gets to Philippi, he begins to look for that group of people that he might be able to go to that might be receptive to the message that he has to present. But the fact that Paul ends up having to leave the city and go out into the countryside suggests that Paul really didn't find a group of sympathizers there in the city. He did not find a group of Jewish people who would be more receptive to his message. In order to have a synagogue in a city, you had to have at least ten married Jewish men in order for the synagogue to take place. And so presumably because Paul can't find a synagogue, he begins to walk out into the countryside. Because in Macedonia, you could not have a, a, a group that was not a recognized religious group to meet inside the city limits. And so Paul finds this place of prayer. And you know he was thinking that when he found this place of prayer that one of the people that he would find there was that guy in his vision, right? Maybe even a whole group of men. Maybe not ten, but maybe at least more than one man in this group. And yet when Paul finds this place of prayer, there's not a single man there. It's only a group of women. And it would have been highly unusual for a group of women to make play, a place for a man to sit down in their midst and to be in conversation with them. And it would have been highly surprising that Paul, a, a man steeped in the Jewish tradition, would ever uh, take time to stop and spend time in conversation with a group of women. And yet Paul's life has been changed by this one man who shared the one true word of God with him, Jesus. And Jesus had a special place in his heart for the people on the fringe, on the margins, the outcasts, the ostracized, and unfortunately in those days, 
women were considered a part of the marginalized society. And yet because Paul had heard about Jesus so modeling uh, this ministry to people that others overlooked, Paul sat in their midst and he began to teach and to preach. And the scripture says that every single those, one of those women began to listen intently to what Paul was saying. But Lydia, in a really special way, took everything that Paul was saying into her heart. Luke wants to make sure that we realize that it wasn't a good sermon by a good preacher that convicted Lydia that day. Luke says it was really the power of the Holy Spirit speaking through Paul is what changed Lydia's heart. But upon hearing the good news of God's great love made known to her in Jesus Christ, Lydia, one woman who had heard one man talk about the one Lord, became a follower of Jesus. And that one woman who had heard one man talk about the one true Lord, then went and told the others in her family about that Jesus. And that one woman telling all the different members of her family about Jesus her entire household came to faith. They began to believe in the one true God made known to them in Jesus Christ. And they were all baptized. All it took was one person being willing to share with one other person about Jesus. And lives were changed forever. This morning as I got up and was looking through Facebook and I saw one of our church members. I don't know if she was prompted by this sermon series on surprises or the invitation to go out and do surprising things in the name of Jesus um, or not. Or whether it was just the Holy Spirit working in her life herself. But she'd been noticing a man that in her mind clearly suffering from addiction. She'd given him some money last week. She saw him again uh, this weekend and realized that he had on the same clothes that he'd had on a week before and, and uh, did not appear as if he'd been able to bathe. And, and so she went home and she got some clothes for him. And she came back and she asked him if she might give him a sponge bath so that he would be clean and so that she could then give him those clothes so that he would have a change of clothes. And I don't know how that story will end, but I do know this, that one person being willing to be the light of Christ to one other person is how the world gets changed. And so I want to ask you this morning, what's one thing that you could say or do to one person that might make a profound impact in their life.